Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. Uh, Happy New Year. I'm Boyd Hilton. Josh Landy is there in his Soho style office. And I'm here, Boyd. I'm you back. Are here. I'm back from back. brief travels. Yes, we are. We um, Instead of going for a full-on analysis of the hectic Arsenal-Man City game on uh, New Year's Day, we've decided to wait four or five days let, let everything settle down. Let all the people calm down. Arsenal fans, everyone else. Let everyone else express their opinions. And now we arrive just in time to give our verdict on the truth of all of those things that happened in that game. Or, a.k.a. we waited this long because you're on holiday. Um, how was your holiday? It was terrific, boy, I have to say. Bit of sunshine. Tenerife. Yeah. It, was, it was excellent. But it was a... Bad one to miss in a way, wasn't it? I imagine being there. The the, the atmosphere seemed really good. I don't know if it was up there with the Tottenham North London derby. That was a good one earlier in the season. But it seemed like the whole stadium was hugely behind the team. And I know I said the phrase getting a point against Man City will mean far more than beating Norwich 5-0 or any of these wins we've seen in recent weeks. But in a way... I felt uplifted that maybe even losing 2-1 in the manner we did was more meaningful than what we've seen against, you know, the likes of Norwich and, and others in recent weeks. So Yeah, well, we'll get to, we'll I'm, get to I'm all positive. that. Yeah, we'll, I'm positive. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to all that, but we need to introduce our guest. Uh, returning after uh, some absence, I think, Ari Last is with us. Hi, Ari. Hi, guys. Nice to be back. We, um, we should introduce Ari by his, his wonderful company, and, and not least he is here online on, on Zoom with us as Ari Last Brackets Bubble. Do you know about Bubble Boys? Uh, it's, it's the great app. It's, it's kind of the Uber for babysitters. Is that is that still the description, Ari? I used it for the first time. We had someone from Bubble look after my daughter, and it all went seamlessly and smoothly. So there you go. Good, if anyone's listening who needs some uh, child care <laughs> assistance. Child care, yeah. Yeah. Any That's Arsenal players? We we do have some. Yeah. I can't I can't name names, but we've oh, got go some on. very very good ex Arsenal players who use the platform. Ex Arsenal gets me. Yeah, not that. Yeah, they don't. Not none of the current squad. But okay. the thing that okay. always gets me most excited in the office if someone pops up that some random, you know, not even particularly famous ex Arsenal yeah. player or wife of an Arsenal player because we know we know who these people are still as, as, as Arsenal fans that's what normally gets me most excited around the office but um, none of the current crop it's uh, only a matter of time uh, maybe they've got yeah, full time say. nannies maybe the once you get you to an ex-play so. you don't need the full time possibly yeah. yeah yeah there is that at least one full time nanny I think most of them probably got quite a few I noticed Ari that you deleted your Twitter account your personal to have you got another one or have you got another one that I don't know I don't know where it is or what it's That's called. So it's funny it? that you noticed that because I, I did a pur- a proper purge only a couple of days ago. To be honest, I hadn't I hadn't been posting on there for years and years, and actually most of my posts were anti Arsene Wenger rants from yeah. Yeah. six, seven years ago. Um yeah. so I just felt it was about time. You know, now you know what I reckon has happened here, Boyd? I think Ari's going for another round of funding for his company and he's meeting <laughs> up with someone that's a huge Arsene Wenger fan or possibly Arsene Wenger himself. <laughs> yeah. And he's just had to go through them and delete mm. them out of embarrassment. Yeah. Is that well, of course, 
<laughs> of course, part of the reason you're not, you're not why off, I was you're not far off wrong, yeah, to be honest. But that's go. the well, problem with Twitter these days. You, you can't. It's not safe to have a dormant social no, media account no. and just think, you know, I'm not on it for years. It doesn't matter. You know, the penny drops. Well, actually, if I'm not using it, I'm I'm better off just deleting it because God knows what's on there from eight nine years ago. But it was pretty much when I when I was going through deleting deleting it. I read some of these tweets the first time in years. And it pretty much was 99% uh, <laughs> uh, Arsene Wenger related. Yeah. Um, well, part of the reason why I w- was going to check your Twitch account is to remind myself of your glory glory days of Arsene Wenger baiting. Um, because, yeah, I do remember some tremendous, some tremendous, <laughs> because you and you, you're very good friends, we should say, you know, the two of you, you and Josh, but there was this great divide. It was symbolic divide, I feel, among the fan base of between you, of, of Josh being the diehard Wenger, you know, fan and and Ari very much the opposite. It was it was uh, it made for some excellent. Yeah. And and Josh and I have remained friends, but there are yeah. other people who genuinely lost friendships over uh, <laughs> that particular. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure I'm not the only Arsenal fan to be honest. I could say that. No, no. Anyway, there's so much to discuss um, about the. I mean, not only the Arsenal City game, but but subsequent events today. It's a big day in Arsenal news because our. Um, as we speak, um, by the way, Chelsea being Spurs 1-0 in the, in the Carabao Cup. But our Carabao Cup against Liverpool has been postponed, as, as we all know. We should talk about that. Um, Arsenal have been charged by the FA um, for not, you know, for surrounding the referee, basically, in the 59th minute of the Man City game. We'll talk about that, um, et cetera, et cetera. But my first question, I think, is, um, this may be the same question I asked last week. I'm not sure. But. The general gist, I think, of the Arsenal fan base, from what I could tell on Twitter after the Man City game, was, of course, great pride, as Josh has already said, in a fantastic performance. It's such a brilliant performance that in my head, I, I, we won that game. Like, I keep having to remind myself we actually lost in the end because it was so great. We were so good in the first half. Brilliant, really, again, with 10 men as well for most of the second half. Um, and then, you know, we let in that really unlucky... Their unlucky second goal, but so, but it was such a brilliant performance. I think Arsenal fan has united on, on its brilliance, but very much there's the kind of big section I would say of the fans on social media who seem to think that every decision that was made in that game it was some kind of like part of the general overall conspiracy against Arsenal by the footballing powers that be. I've seen I've seen people, you know, going. I'm going to check like the referee's business, you know, accounts or something at company's house because of some connection or something to do with against Arsenal. People stop reciting his past, that referee's past, you know, kind of how many games we've lost or won under his refereeing. I mean, as if, you know, that makes makes any difference. Um, I've seen people claiming that, yeah, yeah, just a general vendetta. But so, Ari, is there a conspiracy against Arsenal by the no, powers of being, no. or have people lost it? No, I think Arsenal fans, and I until very recently I was one of these people, but we are the most mental fans on Twitter, aren't we? Like, we're, we're renowned for and social media. Uh, and I think we've kind of gone into overdrive. A few of the blogs that I kind of read religiously and love, you know, love the guys who write them, but I think they even went into overdrive in terms of, you know, dozens, hundreds of words about how to improve, you know, the refereeing association post that game. It just feels a bit, over the top and actually yes hugely frustrating during the game and after the game but actually the next day when I reflected on it with my eight-year-old Guna crazy son was when you break it down there were actually three moments in that game that cost Arsenal and they were all they were all done by the Arsenal players uh one was you know love him and he was incredible but one was Martinelli miss one was Shaka giving away that penalty and I'm sorry it was a penalty and if it was the other way around we'd 100% um, uh, want it our way. And the other one was Gabriel. You know, the second yellow was just ridiculous and unequivocally a yellow card. And those were all three things done by Arsenal players. The Odegaard one, yes, it was a penalty. And I you know, was really annoyed at the time it wasn't given. But actually, when people are saying there's inconsistency, why wasn't that checked? Uh, but why was um, Silver's checked? If we're being really honest, like, don't get me wrong, I think VAR is, is a disgrace and farcical, mm. but the silver one, to my mind, was much more obvious. Like, the Erdogan one, you had to watch a replay of it 
10 yeah. times. So this stupid, clear and obvious error, I can understand why VAR would hide behind that in the Erdogan case and not in the Silver case. So it was massively frustrating and it did feel kind of everything went went against us at the time. But in the cold light of day, reflecting on it, I think, you know, and how magnificent we were. So it's not to be like a criticism of us. The three key moments in that game weren't the referee. They were they were Arsenal player induced, I would say. I agree. And, and furthermore, um, I think the Xhaka moment has to be, I'd like to, to, to discuss that a bit more because that for me was the moment that turned the game, you know, and again, one of our most experienced players, um, you know, in a, in a team notoriously, the, you know, pretty much every week we've got the youngest team in the Premier League, but it's always him. It's always him that fucks things up. In, and, and he played really well. Don't get me wrong. You know, he played really well for the rest of the game. I thought he played really well once we didn't have to 10 men, in fact. Um, but it's his fault. The game turned. And as you say, it was an absolute obvious penalty. Yes, Silver was going down and, and was diving or whatever, or was exaggerating. But that doesn't mean that, that Xhaka had to get hold of his shirt. And then, and after after which he'd already kind of need him, or you know, kind yeah. of uh, yeah. So, I mean, Avar Avar can't watch that shirt pull, no, and not tell right. the referee to right. go to the screen. Now, Arsenal fans, right? This is my point. Arsenal fans, what they did was they cited a few of them have cited previous recent occasions when we haven't got decisions when our players' shirts have been pulled, which is true. There have been occasions, and they, there's someone tweeted like four shots of different occasions when our 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 players had their shirts clearly pulled, and we weren't, and the, and they weren't penalised for it, or at least they weren't given penalties or whatever. And that's fine, but you can't have it both ways. You can't. On the, the point is, they should have been. We should have got free kicks and penalties or whatever when our, our players' shirts have been pulled. But pulling the shirt is absolutely a foul, and that and he pulled his shirt in the penalty area as he was going down, making an absolutely blatantly obvious penalty that, as you say, VAR could not possibly not give it. And so it's yeah. fucking Xhaka's fault. And I hate to come back to it. Well, I don't hate to come back to it. I kind of quite enjoy coming back to it because it makes me feel slightly better about things. I think he's a, still a massive liability. And, I, and um, as well as he's played since he came back from injury, and I know all the, you know, all the, and he gave that interview with Amy Lawrence and it was, you know, all of that. I still think he doesn't get his own stupidity. He doesn't. And I feel like that's the, that's a big problem for us. And I feel like another player it's not like there aren't plenty of midfield play. He, he played really well when it's, once he's come back, he's learned to pass it forward. And I think that's all part of, you know, the way that um, Arteta is now coaching the side and our attacking play is much more positive generally. And that's And he's a part of that. But, you know, there are plenty of players, there are plenty of midfielders out there. We, I, I think, I just think it's time. I, I just hope we don't have to sit through this again where we have to kind of put up with him changing the game against mm-hmm. us. It's really frustrating, yeah. Josh. He can't, going, he can't help himself, yeah. He can't help himself, yeah. And if you can't help yourself, you have to... You can't carry on like that forever. No, I, I hear the exasperation in your voice, Boyd, the way you, you speak about Granite Xhaka, and you've done it on a few, a few occasions. I mean, we're not talking about a bit part squad player, are we? I mean, he, he started... I think every game pretty much that he's been available, he, he started, right? I mean, it t- yeah. you go back to the Tottenham, he went off injured, he came back against Everton and he, he starts every every single game since. And Arteta trusts him and loves him and uh, enough to play him every week. And we're going to presumably need him more than ever in the in the coming weeks with, you know, his sidekick party at the moment, you know, not not available. Um yeah, it was a it was a terrible moment that he he did the shirt pull, and that it's sort of all the more frustrating when you see players sort of look disgusted at other players in the way that he, he looked down at Silver as if he had you know tried to con. I I don't think um, it has to go to the screen because the referee has just not seen something, right? He's not seen the, the, yeah. the clean action. So you completely, you know, can understand it. I think only if you're about to definitely say Silver has dived and you would give a free kick or something for that. But it's not, is it? It's one of them that probably wouldn't get a free kick and it wouldn't get a penalty. It would just it would just be play on. There's a bit of touch. He's going down too easily. But at that point, if you put him to the grounds and, and pull the shirt, you're, 
it's it's mindless. Um, and I didn't feel, I feel like, I don't feel we were cheated out anywhere near as much as, as some of the noise online. And I don't know, you can look back at games throughout the season. The one that comes into my mind is, is Everton away, where it felt like millimetres constantly went in our favour. And yeah, we lost mm. it in the last minutes, but mm. it was it was coming for the entirety of that second half. So um, I don't think there's a big conspiracy against us, but maybe the positive of a lot of the fan base thinking there is, is there's this united, everyone's against us mentality of, of, of old maybe that, that's coming back into it. And even what we've seen in the last, you know, 12, 24 hours of this Liverpool game being cooled off and a feeling of we're being cheated a bit and Liverpool are going to have better players available for the, you know, for the time they come to the Emirates. It's all building up into the, you know, mm. more of a feeling of the fan base behind Arteta in a way that when you started this podcast and you spoke about Ari and his terrible, disrespectful tweets that he would have put up online about Arsene Wenger <laughs> and the split in the fan base. I mean, this is as united a fan base as we've been in. I don't know how far back into Wenger's reign you have to go. But we're probably talking mid late two thousands. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, and that that I, I, I'm totally in favour of that. Um, you know that mentality and um, the posit- the kind of you know the bunker mentality. I guess you'd call it. Uh, but come on, all at the same time, I think there's a difference between. I, I think I think the fan base was pretty much united and excited by the young players, the brilliant young players we've got, and by the fact that you know Arteta's turned it around. You know, this season, what were you going to say? You you weren't entirely convinced. I think there were still some doubters no. about Arteta. No. Even, even I think there's some people aren't totally convinced that he's he's definitely the right answer. I don't think it's I'll say this 100%. now. I'll say this now about Arteta right now. First of all, it was incredible that he wasn't there for the game, right? I mean, that was just... And, um, you know, I thought we did brilliantly without him. I mean, I thought it was interesting. I mean, if I was being really demented i might even say and i've actually seen a couple of people suggest that this but i'm not agreeing with them. i'm just saying it's a theory that him not being there and micromanaging every single second of the game which he does do of course every single time maybe that let them have the freedom they needed those players because they seemed freer and less scared there was a lack of fear and, and, and i don't know i think i think that's very i, know, I think I'm, the opposite. I, know. I think, I think it was hard. the culmination of everything came together that he's been trying to work so hard on. I think if, if, if anything, it, it kind of, it was just a, a, a great performance, which reflects really well on him. I feel it really important though, just to go back and I can't believe I'm actually doing this is just to, in defense of Granite Shaker. What I would say is right. And I was as big as critic and Salam and totally agree. He's got this in his locker and it's unbelievably frustrating. What I'd say is I feel we've got bigger fish to fry in terms of thinking about personnel replacement right now i.e. the striker situation and actually we were much worse without Shaka when he was out he's come back and it's coincided with us playing a lot better and up until the weekend he was outperforming Partey pretty much every game so and massive credit to him that he has really like his comeback from a couple of years ago when he walked up against Palace is remarkable actually to the extent that like people like myself who really hated the guy would like bother defending him. So yes, he's got that in his locker. He's not going to get rid of it. Yes, an upgrade at some point would be good, but but he is very he, he has played very very well. And I think for I'd much rather we sort out you know sign two new strikers and leave Shaka and you know, alone for now than worry about replacing him. Mm, I mean, he's going to, obviously he's going to play, certainly. Well, I, I think Lokonga did a perfectly good job. I thought Lokonga was, you know, I, 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 put it this way. I don't think the midfield, you know, the improvement in our midfield against City, I mean, he played perfectly well, but that was that Partey played unbelievable. That was, uh, yes, that was by his best performance times 100. It was, yeah. that was what we thought we were buying when we got him. And we kind of kept saying that he is this player who plays like that. But he finally did, and it was incredible. And, and I agree with you that I feel like the return of Shaq has roughly coincided with us, an improvement in the way we play. But equally, I'm not sure if it precisely did. I think there were a couple of games where the Conga was playing with Party, where um, and the formation was changed. I think we played pretty well back then, a couple of months ago. But, I mean, I, I agree with you that he's played done really well, generally. Certainly the team's played really well since he's come back. I agree with all that. But is that, would you pay, are you saying that 
that that means that you know he's going to get booked every single fucking game, right? You know he's going to do the kind of thing, concede penalties. I mean, his penalty concession figures are unbelievable. You know, I mean, the number is conceded. Are you saying all of that is is worth it because he plays okay? I'm not saying it's worth it. I'm saying replacing him won't be easy because I think he's very good 90% of the time. Mm. Um, and... Replacing won't be easy. And, and if Arsenal were to go out and sign a fantastic goal-scoring striker but kept the rest of the team the same as it is, I think we could make a step change. I don't think replacing him is the requirement to, to really make a step change in our, in our ability to challenge nearer the top. I think the issue there is the striker situation. And I don't know. Like I think everyone picks him. Every manager picks him every time. I think he gives a lot of balance. I think he, he does a lot of things that maybe aren't immediate. Like the one thing about Partey actually, and he was unbelievable against City and long may it continue. He never takes the ball off the centre-backs. If you notice very, very rarely they play it into him. And I thought that's exactly what he's good at playing with his back to goal and taking those dangerous passes where Shaka is always available. And one thing I thought whenever the Conga and Partey and Elneny played together, the centre-backs, we couldn't play through midfield. And when Shaka plays, mm. we do. Um, but yeah, of course, of course, you know we could we could upgrade him, and but again, like I said, I think he's done really well actually, and he's shut up yeah, a lot of people. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. My only my only my only thing is my only concern is my only frustration is that I feel like we, we, we've and, and all the point about all the managers picking that's true, but he's not he's not playing for Man's like I don't think Pep would pick him. I don't think you know. I don't, I don't even know if Conte would pick him. You know, I, I, he's not going to play for Liverpool. He's playing for us, and we've treated yeah. him. We've treated him like we have since he's arrived at the club, and that's on our managers. I, I just don't think he's. I think he's. A, he's a symbol for me of a past that we have to get rid of. And and I and I can still see in a month's time, or even a couple of weeks' time. You know that that game against Spurs is now a massive crunch game because they can if they win their games in hand, they go above us into top four. All of that. If we if we lose that game and it's down to him and it could well be getting sent off or committing a stupid conceding a penalty like he did in that city yeah. game, then I think it's not worth it anymore. I think that we can get the Congo can play in that. I, I'm sad that Anthony Maitland-Niles is apparently being let on going to going on loan to Roma because he could play in that position. I don't think he's I don't think he's so brilliant that you know uh, that it's worth all the fuck ups. And for me, the fuck up against City was particularly tragic because. If you imagine if we'd actually won that game as played as brilliantly as we had, it would have been like game changing in the whole future of the club. As it was, the performance was so good that I feel like personally I can stop. I'm going to stop slagging off Arteta certainly for the in the, in the near future because I feel like I, I agree with you that it, I, I think you know I was just saying the theory about him not being there helped, but actually I, I credit him massively with the way we played, and I think and, and I feel like you know I, I, I'm now back pro Arteta and I'm shamelessly reneging, recanting my Arteta out period earlier in the season. So now fully on board because that was such a brilliant game. But imagine if we actually won it and we would have actually won it, I feel, if we hadn't conceded that fucking penalty, which then, you know, turned the whole game. Anyway, yeah. just a quick mention of the um, the other decisions. Do you, do you, I just wanted to ask this. Do you know why um, Gabriel got the first booking? The descent was wasn't, something. Yeah. Right. It wasn't the penalty. It wasn't the penalty scuff. Yeah. Which, and what was weird about that was on BT Sport, um, they completely assumed it was down to him scuffing the penalty. And they penalty spot, and they kind of went on and on about it. They were, I mean, I would defend BT Sport, by the way, and I did on Twitter because people, everyone's having to go at them for spending too long discussing the VAR decisions, the controversial decisions. But I feel like I think that's unfair. I, I think every, you know, I've been watching football on TV for like forty years or whatever, and it's always been, always the analysis has been if there's controversial decisions, they they analyze the decisions. It just so happens that with VAR. There's even more to analyse because there's the decision, there's the VAR alleged inconsistency, there's like another whole bit of it, of the process to discuss. So it kind of takes longer inevitably, but I don't blame them for analysing these things. It's what they're there for. And people pompously, all these journalists, like slightly pompously banging on about, oh, they say that they're reluctant to discuss VAR and bad decisions, but then what? Then don't do it. I'm like, of course they're going to do it. If they didn't discuss those decisions, it would be, they'll be, they'll be, that's not doing their job. They have to anyway. But it was weird that they assumed that he got booked for scuffing the penalty and watching it and i watched it back and i couldn't see the referee wasn't even looking at him when he scuffed the penalty yeah and it was a very minor scuff wasn't yeah, it 
It was a minor scuff. I think um, the goalkeeper scuffed it as well. Everyone was like lecturing him. I felt sorry for Gabriel because everyone was going, oh, I was the worst thing you could possibly do is even scuff the penalty. It doesn't like happen all the time. I thought it was just such a weird thing. And then I think what he actually got booked for was because the whole team surrounded the referee, hence our FA charge. And he just happened to be the one that arrived at the point where the referee was getting absolutely pissed off with the whole thing and just booked to him because he was there next to him. It was just yeah. weird. So the but first even if booking... that, the point is, even if that first booking was completely ridiculous yes. and unjust, you know, there are unjust yellow cards in every single game of football all yeah. the time. Right. It, it, it doesn't absolve him at all for what he did a minute later. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, the, the second booking was was the was the absolutely yeah, and 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 as you say, even the Martinelli thing, and Martinelli was fantastic. Let's not you know forget that. I mean, brilliant pass out from Aaron Ramsdale. First of all, Aaron Ramsdale is a fucking phenomenal, isn't he? Those some his passes from yeah. his, his goal kicks are astonishing. Martinelli taking it down brilliantly, and he had yeah. some, he had an amazing number of chances in that game. And he just fucking ran them right. And he was brilliant. And I love him. But he did miss. And again, people are blaming the referee for that by saying he got in his way in the penalty area. And I mean, much as like Atwell, you know, I, I think Atwell was a bit of a knob. And I think he, it felt particularly, I think the reason Arsenal fans felt so hard done by is because at one point, like he was booking everything, all our players, no matter what they did. And there were very similar fouls being conducted by City players that he didn't book them for. And there are a couple of instances of that. I think, and I think that's, I think he just ended up kind of hating us on the day or going for us I don't know but it wasn't calamitously unfair in any way and interestingly on match of the day I don't know if you saw match of the day Josh you're away Ian Wright was on match of the day um with Dion Dublin I think and they let Dion Dublin analyze the kind of controversies first and he basically said the referee did got all the decisions right and Ian Wright kind of just went yeah he kind of did, and I think all Arsenal fans are watching it, waiting for a kind of explosion of anger. But Ian Wright, because he's a, he's a, he knows what he's talking about, and he was like, he couldn't disagree. He just went, yeah, yeah. you know. And I yeah, think, no, I, I think Ari nailed this uh, uh, earlier on when he saw saying, you know, we have to look at look at ourselves, look at look at Xhaka's taking responsibility, uh, Gabriel as well. You know, when when Xhaka, um did that? You're right. Okay, one one. Right. We can get back in this, and we so nearly did. Right. I mean, we nearly scored within within a minute. But it was once you're down to ten against Man City. It's you know, as we saw when we were at the Etihad. I mean, you know, Jacques' misdemeanor there was was a was a bigger probably at the Etihad when he got sent off. So, yeah, I think we uh you know we need to sort of look at ourselves, but it should be, um, you know, just I don't know, hugely like encouraged because. You, you, you know, we'll we'll have results that you know will, will go away when they, when they shouldn't, and, and vice versa. But in terms of like Emirates Stadium performances against, I don't know, I don't think any of us had great hope ahead of ahead of that game. We're sort of looking for it to be oh, competitive. Not. It was, you know, it was it was it was good, and I think it's. Um, I, I was sort of almost you know, more frustrated that Liverpool game has been called off because you felt like the players just want to go. They want to go again and put it right and put it right quickly in a game that matters. And not having, you know, the opportunity to do that um, is a little bit frustrating. And I I mean, there's rumours about Nottingham Forest having COVID problems, aren't there? I think they've had to call off. Well, they have. um, I mean, they have, yeah. Some recent games. So I think, aren't the rules different in the Cup, though, I was reading? In the FA Cup, I think there's slightly different rules. I think it feels like it's more likely for FA Cup games to go ahead generally for some reason than... I just wanted to quickly say, I, I said that I thought the referee got every decision right. I just wanted, because people will complain to me on Twitter. I, I, I think we should definitely have had a penalty for the Odegaard situation. I could, but as Ari said right very early on, and I agree, there is a reason why the VAR didn't refer it because of the clear, it's the clear and obvious wording that is the problem in this whole VAR thing, by the way, rather than, because if VAR was just them trying to work out what the actual right decision was and not thinking about whether it was clear and obvious or not, then these things wouldn't happen. But they keep thinking about that fucking wording, which is ambiguous at best and completely subjective. But as everyone saw, there were plenty of angles where you couldn't quite see. And there was one angle, oh, where you could see. Oh, it's just disappeared. Um, probably because I'm still because <laughs> I'm still going on about the referee. But I did want to say I, that was a penalty. But there was one angle that they that they showed on TV that for some fucking stupid reason um, VAR didn't show or didn't. didn't but, yeah, I mean, and, and I, we don't want to fall into BT Sport territory and spend too long talking about VAR. But we the are whole already clear and obvious thing is a joke. Like referees yeah. that no longer make decisions because they say, "Well, I'm not going to call that controversial thing because if if it is an issue, it will get called up on VAR." And then the VAR is not not actually acting on what they see because it's not a clear and obvious error. It is complete yeah. 
Exactly. Pass. Exactly. Before I do stray further into that territory, let's say it, I fucking hate VR as well. I'm very happy to go, but it's not going to go because there's too much money involved now, isn't it? Anyway, um, let's take a break. We'll take a good break and we'll, then we'll talk uh, about all the other issues that are affecting us at the moment after this. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. Um... Let's yeah. I'm going to try not to talk any more about the refereeing. I must try not to talk any more about the refereeing, and I think I probably can. One thing I was going to say about Saturday's game, which was interesting, that I thought I thought BT Sport did a really good job of um, talking about how Arteta is communicating to the bench, and you know, and and him talking to um, that young coach Carlos Cuesta. Did you see the, the, the many clips of this young guy? He's like yeah, I felt really bad for him. Yeah, <laughs> it was hilarious. This kind of like. He looks about 14, by the way. He's 25. looks about 14. He's a, officially a wunderkind of coaching um, that we plucked from somewhere. Um, and it became his job because he speaks five or six languages or whatever. So it was his job to have Arteta in his ear in, on, the, on the iPod um, f- headphones and a notepad and kind of and he was writing at the speed of like light trying to not jot down all fucking Arteta you can imagine Arteta running around his room like he does when he's at the fucking on the fucking bench micromanaging every single little thing and poor Carlos Cuesta had to make sense of it all Josh uh, no, that's what the people at home wanted we wanted the camera on Arteta yeah. didn't we I mean BT yeah. Sports should have spent more time trying to plead with Arteta to take a camera around his side like Gogglebox style we could have just had a camera in the yeah. corner of the room looking at Arteta looking looking at the game that would have been great but yeah it, it looked like he, he must have been shorthand I don't know it was shorthand Spanish or something that yeah. was being written on on the bench um it is funny though isn't it like it's really obvious how how do they get a signal like what what have they got if oh, he's no. using airpods on a phone what have they got that I cannot get a text message at Arsenal what is there like a it must be a booster network around the dugout what do you, do you get it in club level do you get a phone signal no, and free no. beer what do you get no, we get free beer, but no, we, we, we every now and then you get a bit of a signal. Um, if like you know, when well, if you get there early enough, you get a signal. It's basically the more it's, as soon as it becomes the same, becomes full, that's it. You're, you're, you're fucked, you know. Maybe it's Wi Fi, must be Wi Fi, right? Maybe, maybe they're deliberately killing the signal of everyone in the stadium so that Arteta has a clear line, yes, to his yes. coaches. I think so. Yeah, that's the conspiracy. That's the kind of conspiracy I can go for. Yeah, um, um, presumably they've got a direct Wi-Fi. They must have a private Wi-Fi network. Yes. That must be it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you'd like to think they've uh, they've got that sort of level of uh, capability of communication. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, Arteta. Um, he, he did. Did he do? He did the pre-match conference. Was it? It was virtual, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 He did, and, and I think he did a, a pre-match. Well, actually, the Liverpool game's been called off, isn't it, obviously? But I think he was about to do a pre-match press conference today and then waited to see. What do we feel about this? Let's, let's address the whole, the the the, um, the postponement. I think, i just say that, you know, I mean, I, I, Arsenal fans going crazy, like, you know, saying Liverpool making it all up and they should be fielding their under-13s, you know, and talking about how Orient had to forfeit the game, didn't they, against Spurs, which was actually last season. And I think they've changed the rules anyway. So that isn't true. That doesn't matter. Um, people saying that, you know, Liverpool should have fielded the team no matter what. But I, I was reading that apparently both of all of them, they don't have any fit goalkeepers, or any goalkeepers haven't got COVID rather. They haven't got any covid non-covid all the all the coaches have got covid so they could have so i mean and they closed the training ground today i mean if it was us let's face it let's be fair 
you know, if it was us that had that situation, and it is weird that we're like the only team that hasn't had as much COVID since the very beginning of the season when we had to play two or three games with with half the, t- half the squad with COVID, then we wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't be assuming it's, again, some kind of big conspiracy against us. So I can't get that worked up about it. Can you, Ari? Can you? you well, no, t- I, I get very worked up about all these games getting cancelled. I'm completely anti um, games getting postponed. And yeah. I'm totally fed up with whining, bleating football managers telling the world, you know, people like you and I, everyone who goes to work every day, runs businesses who are having to deal with this pandemic every day. I don't know who's bloody turning up to work every day. Every day, someone, you know, 10 people are off with, with COVID or have, are isolating. It's, it's a fact of life the last 18 months. And Premier League football managers seem to think, you know, they operate on a different planet. They have all the, the luxuries that most people running businesses and working through COVID every day uh, have. Yet they're moaning about, oh, it's so difficult. It's so uncertain. So-and-so can turn up. I don't know who's going to be here tomorrow. That's, that's life right now for everyone. And I think what's happened is they completely cocked up the rules and regulations. They've let, you know, as soon as they started letting teams cancel uh, with kind of like where there was grayness around how many people were injured, how many people were not, they've let the cat out of the bag, the genie out of the bottle, so to speak. And now they've got this huge problem where they're having to deal with these things on a case by case basis. And whether or not Liverpool like had all these cases, we don't know. But what we do know is um, Jurgen Klopp hates the League Cup and hates the idea of two legs. Um, and I can totally see why they would do everything in their power to get it called off. I mean, what really annoyed me was the Wolves game. You know, our game against the Wolves got cancelled yeah. for a supposed COVID outbreak. They had six players with COVID. You know, and that was that came from Wolves. That wasn't, you know, did they mm. didn't they? It was six people. And then they listed in the same bulletin, well, they've also got six injuries. Irrelevant. You know, yeah, squads and academies yeah. have never been bigger and you just have to play. I mean, the irony, the, the, the annoying thing about Liverpool is they literally fielded a youth team, was it last year or the year before, at Villa Park, yeah. deliberately, consciously. So for them, of all people, to now be cancelling is is infuriating. And, and as fans, obviously, massively um, disappointing and frustrating. But it's not just Liverpool. It's everyone. It's, it's, it's everyone. And it feels like injuries and AFCON and things like that are now part of the equation. And I don't see why, I don't see why they are. I don't see why the COVID rule isn't. Mm. They could have just picked a number of COVID cases and says, that said, if you have over this many amount of cases, you might have a right for a postponement instead of 13 players plus one, where now all of a sudden you might have two COVID cases and 15 injuries and you can call the game off. Whereas before you couldn't. And that's, that's what I really, really disagree with. Josh, it's incredibly frustrating. You know, I, when when I flew home earlier today, I sort of left and it hadn't been called off yet, and I was like really hoping it would still be on when I landed, and was, was disappointed when it when it wasn't. I, I, you can't help but feel that everyone is trying to to take this to their own advantage at every level of football at the moment. I mean, like in League One or Two on Saturday, I mean, there were, there were like a couple of games going on. I mean, it, it, it's, all, it's all off all the way um, down the leagues. And the lower you go, the more important a couple of absences mean because there are, there are fewer and fewer sort of players available. I think this one is is fortunate in a way that it was a semi-final and there was a five-week gap until the final because had it been a fourth round or or quarter-final, you probably wouldn't have had an opportunity to, to reschedule the game satisfactorily and I suspect Liverpool would have had a choice of, you know, forfeiting the game or... Um, or fielding, you know, some kind of team from, you know, the academy or, or, or whatever it would have been. I think Arsenal would have been in an incredibly weak position to have sort of, you know, stuck that they are refusing to reorganise the game because Liverpool seemed to put the pressure on the EFL hard on this one. It was unusual. We, With all the other postponements throughout the EFL, throughout the Premier League we've seen, you just get an announcement from the Premier League or from the EFL, this game is postponed. And that is sort of how it should be. Certainly with the Premier League postponements, the EFL, maybe it's come from the club accounts because some of the EFL games seem to have been called off literally two hours before and they want to communicate to their fans as quick as they can. For Liverpool to put out a statement letting everyone know that they've had to I, 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 I don't know. Maybe they can argue they were doing it to notify their fans as early as possible that, you know, the game is likely or Ray has a good chance of not going on. But it felt they were trying to 
up the pressure. Um, and I don't know, I guess Arsenal have now got what a slight advantage having the, the second leg at home. You know, is that a slight advantage? I don't, think, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it know. means huge. I, I don't know about that. Uh, because someone, think, yeah. Sorry, on, Darren. No, I think it's definitely an advantage, especially against Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, in any tournament going to have to go to Anfield to win a semi-final, um, it's very, very tough. So I definitely think hands us an advantage. I think yeah. I think with Liverpool. There's no away goals think, rule, though, is there? There's no reg. Uh, we should say. Yeah, but uh, even so, like, could go to you know penalties. What, you know and what then Anfield's you're at home. like at these things. Yeah, I think the two things with Liverpool, they're playing Shrewsbury in the FA Cup. I think weekend. Yeah. You know, how is that? If that doesn't get called off, I think there have to be serious questions asked because this whole COVID outbreak has apparently developed and escalated in the last forty-eight hours. So I'd find it. Either they're going to, if that game goes ahead and they field a, a highly inexperienced youth team, you could say, well, you could have done that against Arsenal. Or if magically they field a good team, I don't see how within, you know, with the days in between that works. The other thing Ari, I was couldn't they was, ask if one of their goalkeepers becomes available, whose isolation period is done, then they go, hey, we're cool. But if they go, we don't have a goalkeeper. Um, yeah. And our first team coach is, and our assistant... It? Yeah, I'd I love think some I, transparency I around what when a club asks for a postponement, what do yeah. they need to provide? Because it must be so difficult. Someone to was saying, you've got sorry, no, go on. no go on. Well, if you've got a highly motivated coach or team who wants this game off, right? You can imagine all kinds of ways that they could they could get the evidence that they need to, to kind of get it. And the other thing about Liverpool is that you know they're now eleven points behind City. I wonder if the title race was closer. You know, has the League Cup all of a sudden for oh, Klopp become I, more important now? I agree with that. I think I think suddenly, I mean, it's absolutely without doubt, suddenly that their interest in the Carabao Cup is is much greater than it has been for about five years. Because, yeah, because, in you know, they are quite a way behind and they need, you know, there's a possibility they won't get any kind of trophy this year. And so suddenly the Carabao is more important. I just think every club is in, every club would do anything they can if they're in a, you know, I'm not even defending them. I'm just saying if it was, us, I keep thinking if it was us, what would we want us to do? We wouldn't, I don't think we, we would want us to go ahead with, you know, with a kind of under 23 team against Liverpool in the semi-final of a, of a, of a competition where we really, really would like to win it because it'd be great for our, our young players to have a, have a trophy. So I just think, I just think every, t- I agree with everything you're saying. I think every team's in, in it for themselves and would do anything they can, but it's interesting. It'd be fascinating to see what does happen in the FA Cup. I agree with that because there was the case of Crystal Palace, wasn't there? Who one minute earlier, a couple, a few weeks ago, desperately wanted a, a, a Premier League game called off. Then they were forced to play it by the way. And the next day they played a literally a full strength team. It was like, how did you, what the fuck are exactly, you even yeah. complaining about? So yeah, those things are happening. It just, it needs to be more transparent. Um, Without a doubt. What do we think about the the only I think the the um, FA charge is interesting because I think the problem for me with the FA charge, right? So this is you know, our our, our players surrounding the referee and they I think the official wording is the thing about losing control of, of your players or whatever. I mean, that does feel like we're being persecuted. It feels like we're slightly being um gaslighted by the FA. Almost, and I, I don't think I believe this, but it almost feels like it's encouraging out the the, the insane um, conspiracy theory fans that we have to be even more insane conspiracy theory because suddenly we're being picked on for this FA charge. And I don't think I, I don't think this. I don't think you know every other team surrounds the referee three or four times a game. I think we were one of the lesser referee surrounding teams for most of the time in recent years, and we've re- only recently in the last. I would say a few weeks, months, maybe become more of a team that does get quite aggressive with the referee about decisions. But it seems weird that we're facing this charge. As a, as a fan, I'm quite glad to see it, to be honest. Um, you know, we've had a lot of accusations yeah. in the last few years that we're this nice team. And I think it was earlier, was it earlier in the season. There was like, there was a VAR check going on. Um, yes. I can't remember who it was. And none of our players were like, I think Aubameyang was just like strolling at, it was the goal against United. Yeah, it was that goal. The yeah, the free kick goal. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. everyone was just, like, we were watching it as fans, and we're like, that has to be a goal. Yeah. But the Arsenal players were just, they kind of, yeah. it looked like they'd accepted it wasn't going to be given, and they were just standing well away. Whereas maybe a team with more of a, and I remember they commenting this at half time, you know, a winning mentality would just be all over the all over the place because there's no doubt that has a subconscious impact on the bar watching players' reactions without doubt. So if we're getting angry again on the pitch. You know, can't remember the last time we've we've had a charge like this or been surrounding the referee. You know, it's always the Martin Keown at Old Trafford, which springs to mind, and that's one of the greatest ever 
images in my mind as an Arsenal fan of him and Lauren and Ashley Cole pushing Van Nistelrooy away. So it evokes fantastic memories of a great team. So yeah, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all for it really. Whether it's right or not that we got charged with it, but seeing the players react like that is only a positive thing in my mind right now. I think the FA are looking to do a lot more in this space. And it's all about respect campaign and the example that footballers are setting to the young supporters. And a huge effort has gone into trying to get it to be the captain who addresses the referee and not have everyone surround him. So you almost wonder if there was sort of a, someone was going to be made an example out of sooner rather than later and give them a, an opportunity to do it. But I don't know. I mean, there can't be suspensions coming, right? No one did anything that's going to warrant a suspension. So you presume it's some sort of fine. So, you know, the money you spend in club level will be redirected, Boyd, but I don't think it means too much to the uh, to the club. We should say, boys, you're wearing a, a lovely number from the recent Adidas retro um, range that's come out. Did you did you get everything, or is this tracksuit you're wearing the only thing you bought? I didn't. I didn't get everything. No, it's just the, just this top. Yeah, it's the it's the JVC era eighties um, kind of uh, retro collection. I particularly, yeah, I particularly like this top that I'm wearing that li- the listeners can't see because it's uh, it's a podcast, it's audio. Um, but yeah, I was quite. Yeah, there's like there's some really nice J. There's a JVC jumper. That's nice. Yeah. That I think Dom Baldwin or Dan Baldwin, one of the one of the Baldwins got. Um, I got the ninety three ninety four nice. Cup Winners Cup away shirt. Nice. Really nice. Yeah, really, yeah. really enjoying that. No, another good drop, as they would say. Correct? They're doing very good drops. Very good drops. We should we should credit the people get annoyed. Another thing, Arsenal fans get Arsenal find Arsenal fans online get find things to get annoyed about. I mean, it's incredible. As 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 Ari. <laughs> mentioned that we do have the maddest fans people get annoyed at the frequency with which they uh, uh, release new training ground um stops and uh and, and new lines because you know it's like when to divert attention from what's happening on the pitch or something again there's a conspiracy about that they're just doing their fucking job aren't they just they release lots of different clothing lines because that's a way of making money you can't on the one hand complain that Arsenal don't make enough money from these things like as much as may united do and then criticize them for releasing too many um, items of clothing. Anyway, that's that little rant over with. What do we think about the other the other um, things to discuss? The um, transfer situation, because as I mentioned last week, I think I feel like Arteta wants some transfer action in this transfer window, and he's been quite open about it. We've been linked with Dusan Vlavic today, um, the last couple of days. Um, uh, and apparently we're offering like 45, 50 million plus Torreira, who is still let's uh, an Arsenal player, we have to remember, on loan. And he scored, Vlavic scored 33 goals in 2021, um, which is pretty good for Fiorentina. Ari, and you, Ari you were talking about how you, we, we need strikers. Well, yeah, he'd, he'd yeah. Well, I, I think with him, I feel like the ship sailed a little bit because every big club in Europe apparently wants him and he's now super expensive. Uh, yeah. But the thing actually which excites me the most about the team right now and the progress we've made we're doing all of this we don't have a we don't have a goal scorer you know we're doing it without a strike yeah. however well like I played in the last few games you know it doesn't score any goals and Aubameyang's obviously off the radar so what are we going to be like when we add and I've no doubt that we are going to add a quality striker whether it's this window or the next window I think if anything you know the great thing that Edu and Arteta and the club have done the last couple of windows which I think no one can argue against is when there's a gap in the team all the gaps that we as fans of City, you know, they fill it, right? And yeah. I guess to hop back to the Veggie is the real frustration was like, we just, everyone could see we needed a centre-back. Everyone could see we needed a centre-mid. Yeah. And years and years would go by and he wouldn't do it. Whereas these guys, they see it, they do it. Now, it's blatantly obvious that Arsenal need a quality number nine. And I've no doubt they're going to go and get one. I really hope they can do it this window because I think if we're going to get top four, it will it will be a massive boost for that. But Vlajevic, I think, is I'd be really surprised if that happened because he's a 70, 80 million pound player and all the big clubs want him. So I think it'll be a struggle to get him. But there's a talk yeah, of the Swedish striker as well, who's more of like a twenty two year old, a bit under yeah. highly rated under the radar, twenty million type. That that seems more that would be more, you're right. You're right. That would be more akin to the kind of player but I mean there is the fact it's a good point you made about the lack of striker because but there is a point to be made that City, Man City, that we are you know, that is the Man City model, isn't it? I mean they you know, they're fucking they've 
they are dominating this league with loads of number 10s and we've got loads of number 10s, you know, I mean, I, I can see, I've been saying for a couple of weeks that, you know, when, if Lacazette's got injured or they want to rest him, he's playing a lot of games, you know, you could, you could have Martinelli up front. You could bring him or Smith Rowe back to play alongside behind him, you know, with all the, and then you're basically having like three number 10s all kind of, in playing in, I, yeah. and I still think that would be a very effective forward line. So I do think I want part of me wonders. I mean, I, I'm sure they will go out and try and find a striker because it's the obvious thing to do, as you say. But equally, I do feel like Pep, I do feel like Arteta follows very closely the Pep model. And in many ways, the brilliant the brilliant thing about that performance against Man City was we outdid, we outplayed, we out Man City, Man City. You know, we were incredibly on it and incredibly athletic and intense and fast and all those things. And all of the players contributed. And I think the lack of the striker, as you say, that didn't really matter, even though... But because Lacazette yeah. was linking loads of things up. Josh, do you think we need to go out and get a striker or or uh, are we okay? Well, I, I think we've shown enough this season that we, we have it in us to, to get um, a top four finish. You just wonder if the club... Um, you know, you look, you look at where the club was at the end of the August transfer window, bottom of a table no points from from nine they might just look at this and go well you know we're hand on heart in a better opportunity to to get that fourth spot than than we would and and maybe that brings forward the desire to get a striker and the temptation let's say we were sixth seventh in the table and might end up in the Europa League you kind of think maybe they'll just wait till the summer to sort of do do their business and see what happens with you know uh Aubameyang and Lacazette's you know, future, future at the club, there must be a temptation just to sort of push on now and try and, and do it because to, to, to play the way we have without, I mean, yeah, Aubameyang, even in his sort of games when he was playing, wasn't, wasn't really contributing the goals. Lacazette has been, you know, excellent, but it, it's not been with huge amount of goals. It's just, just a few Premier League goals this season. So there must be, there must be a bit of temptation, but can they go out and spend, you know, big money without resolving where Aubameyang goes. You'd like to think they know what's happening with Lacazette. If that's a decision that there's not going to be a new deal, there's not going to be a new deal, but surely they get into a situation where they, you know, resolve it. So I don't know, yeah. hand on heart, the, 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 I'm not the, convinced the it's going to be done. But the helpful thing now, and this is only a side point, but like we have the carrot of it. So if you think about the big strikers that we want, we want Champions League football. The benefit of going for them now is there's a very, very, a clear carrot of Champions League football at Arsenal. So if you're a striker, I imagine you think there's a really good chance I go now, I can get top four with Arsenal. Whereas you wait to the summer and we don't make the Champions League, that yeah. pool of yeah. people you go after goes goes lower. So it's a good it's a good yeah. it's a good side point. Talking of which, I was going to ask actually, and on a slightly, I mean, generally, Ari, you're you're Arte- you seem pretty pro Arteta to me. Um, were you? Have you been consistently? Um, I've been, yeah, I've been, I'd say, and Josh is on the WhatsApp group that I'm on where we spend most of our days. What I've been consistent in is like, we should never, I've never called for him to get sacked um, at at no point, even, Mm. but then there were obviously really low points where I was highly critical and I was wavering from, does this guy actually have it? Because since day one, my view on him has always been like Arsenal, where we were and where we wanted to get to, we we needed to luck out on a miracle worker. There was no point going out and hiring the Emery's of this world, right? So I was very happy to have Arteta, although appreciating it could go one or two ways. And there were definitely points where like, well, I just don't think this guy's got it. But there was never a point where let's get rid of him. So in that sense, I can I can honestly say I've, I've been consistent. And look, I think it's still uh, it's still early, right? Like things can flip. Yeah. Oh, so easily, can't they? But he does, to be fair to him, he really does look like it's all coming together. And the decisions he's made with Aubameyang, like he doesn't shirk a big decision, does he? I mean, he's got real just, balls. The Aubameyang Kate thing's interesting. Versus, like, compare it to Lukaku at Chelsea. Lukaku's playing in this game, by the way. Tottenham are now losing two 0 to Chelsea as we speak. Um, right, so Lukaku's straight back in the in the, in the squad, and he he is a dis- disciplinary issue. He gave an interview where he basically yeah. said, "You know, we know what he said," it's, it's, yeah. but. Um, the two yeah, but the kind big of difference is with Lukaku is a world class striker. Aubameyang has been horrendous well, for eighteen months. Okay, right, but that's my point. This is what I was going to ask. Actually, is that I feel like almost the whole disciplinary thing with with Arteta and Aubameyang is is a smokescreen for the fact that Arteta just wants to get rid of him. And I feel like you know his, this whole thing 
Because it's now become weird. I know he's gone to the AFCON, that's fine. But the amount of games he was effectively suspended for, because let's remember he was fully fit and he wasn't picked even in the squad for the last three or four weeks. It's fairly extraordinary bit of, it's, if that is just discipline, that's a pretty extraordinary situation to put that play. And I only contrast it with Lukaku because Thomas Tuchel's dealt with, he did an apology video and he's done, as you say, he's now, he's a key part of the team. But it, I feel like, I feel like the Aubameyang situation is just weird. It's just a bit bizarre to like freeze him out for that length of time. Um, almost make it at, for, for, for basically a consistent um, being late, you know, consistently being tardy in your timekeeping. It's just so I just I just remark that it was the whole thing's odd, and I feel like the, the hidden agenda or the not so hidden, but the obvious agenda is they just want to get rid of him, and um, you know maybe, yeah, they, maybe was, that's for the best. It feels like that. I mean, I think we we, we touched upon it. it. It feels like there would be a welcome you know, exit for him in the in the next couple of weeks because I think Arteta has made it into a, a huge situation. I mean, you, you compared Lukaku's interview to uh, to what Aubameyang's done and I, I don't, I think too much was made of Lukaku's interview. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. think it was quite as big as it, as it was, but I, that is more undermining the manager and, and the club like, publicly. Like what whatever Aubameyang's yeah. oh, done, it was in private. Like it didn't have to yeah. become a public oh, instance. So I agree. Yeah. I think I, I don't think the Aubameyang thing was as serious as the Lukaku thing. And yeah, Aubameyang's been frozen out for fucking weeks on end. It's just it's just odd. But, yeah, I think. But Aubameyang was clearly this is multiple misdemeanors. I mean, we only heard of a two or three. But I think you've got to appreciate these guys are in training every day in the work mm. environment. Like the guy mm. just, on my guess, is he was doing constantly mm. taking the piss and then you add to that his performances and that's that's why we are where we are with him, sure let me ask you this hypothetical about just in general about Arteta and the club right now because right now we're fourth but West Ham are a point behind again you know they've 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 kind of had their dodgy period Tottenham two games in hand only two points behind and obviously we play them in a, in about a week's time Man United, I mean, I know they were shit the other night, but they're still, you know, one. they've got a game in hand, a few points behind. It's quite possible, isn't it, As that actually by the end of the season, two or three of those teams have caught us up or, and, and finished above us. And we go back to, we're back in the kind of seventh, eighth situation. If that happens, this is just my, it's hypothetical, it's very hypothetical. Are we still fully behind Arteta? Or actually does that say something about having a world-class coach an experienced world-class coach, as I often bang on about, and maybe that is the final piece in the jigsaw. I, th- I think we've got to be fully in with him now. And I think okay. he's, he had a huge job to do. He's only part way through it. But at least uh, in what was happening for a, for, a, no, for a while before the recent upturn was it was getting harder and harder to see the glimmers of hope because the performances were really dour and poor he was arguing with all the players um yeah and you, it was it was harder to make the case for him i think what we've seen in the last couple of months is there is something brewing there and even if it turns bad for, and we have a bad couple of months that is something to hang your hat on and say he just needs more time because the reality is the, alter- the alternatives just aren't there for us they're not even worth thinking about which is a reason in itself to kind of stick stick with him um but the, what Viera? i would say is the error we're thinking about I love him so much. That Palace game when he was in the dugout was just yeah. brilliant. And that was when Altessa was going through a rocky patch and we were shocking yeah. that day. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is we, we do need to beat Spurs. We, we need a win in yes. one of these games because yes. we're all loving the City performance. Yeah. But lose to Spurs and that's we won't be saying the same things about the City performance, I don't think, as we are now. You know, at some point, and to be fair, I think I saw an interview with Ramsdale where he did say, he's like, we do need to win one of these games. Yeah. And if they lose again against Spurs, it's another big game lost. And, um, but, but again, on the, on the positive, looking at the competitors for top four, I mean, United, I think, are, are crap and in disarray. Um, Spurs have the Conte factor. But actually, when you look at it, I was looking at their lineup tonight. You know, I know it's League Cup, but I think they're pretty much playing full strength. They've got the, they've got the front three. But the stuff behind it garbage you know we're, we're better but it's just I took a screenshot of their defence and midfield and sent it to a couple it's, it's just terrible mm. um, so, and in fact, I don't but they have the Conte factor 
Yeah, it's the Conte effect I'm worried about. They're, they're actually their game against Watford. Watford had an unbelievable penalty decision against yes. them, which yes. was even more, which was much worse than our ones. Anyway, but yeah, I I still worry. I worry about the Conte factor. But anyway, we should we should wrap it up with the tr- in traditional prediction style. And we've only got because of the sad uh, Liverpool postponement. We've got the uh, Forest away in the FA Cup. Is it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday on TV. Yeah, five ten kickoff. It's a hard one to predict, isn't it? <laughs> but um, assuming it goes ahead, um, it's going to be, I guess, the B-ish team, isn't it? Even though we haven't got another game until next Thursday when we're playing in the Liverpool, in the, when the Liverpool game comes back. What do you think, Ari? What do you think the score's going to be in this bizarrely pointless game to predict? We're going to win 4-0. Four 4-0. Nil. Four nil. Josh? Um, I, I'd say 2-0, uh, but it, do, it does have uh, all the hallmarks of an Eddie and Ketia goal, I would say. Eddie and Ketia? Eddie and Ketia. Um, it feels like it was uh, made for him. Look, I mean, there, there will have to be probably a couple more changes than otherwise because you, you think of, you know, El Nenny, you know, would have been involved with Maitland Niles is going out on loan. There'll be a couple more changes, but um, you you hope that we've, you, we've got enough and... Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess also it does play into mind what he's planning for the you know the trip to Anfield and how how he wants to mix it up. But could be two two games in a row for Burn Leno. You'd have thought in goal. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, okay. I think he'll play full strength in the Carabao. By the way, I th- I, th- I, th- I think I don't think he'll play Leno in the Carabao. Even is my guess. I think so. I feel so bad for Leno. I mean, we've literally forgotten he even existed. I mean, I mean must be a hook horrible position the way yeah. Ramsdale is now being fettered right um yeah but Ramsdale but yeah. is a legend already isn't he unfortunately <laughs> yes. I mean, he is. yeah he really is um thanks Ari for your glorious pleasure return. thanks for having me um if anyone wants to use the uh, bubble service they should uh, check it out um Thank you. download the app any codes Ari any codes for your first uh, bubble <laughs> set app? one up for the podcast oh maybe I'll set should, one up in time for the next episode yeah Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And I feel like we have, we have, this has been a particularly good, sensible. We are the, I think we're the voices of reason, the voices of Arsenal reason. I mean, yeah. I'm setting ourselves up to be shot down, but I'm just saying. And thanks, Josh, as ever. And we'll be back um, roughly next week. Monday. Monday, yeah, yeah Monday. Um, see you then. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.com. Dot co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network.